This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Ryan Bruss. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Andre Ashby. And Andre, we are so excited about this uh, interview because it's about the presence and the glory of God, which we love that here at this ministry. And, and Andre, you say that a greater outpouring is coming. What, is, what did the Lord show you in that dream with Jill Austin? First of all, let people know who Jill is, and then what happened in that dream? Well, Jill Austin was uh, my spiritual mom, uh, who I've never seen anybody move in the presence of God like Jill. I, I love traveling with Jill because uh, Jill, her only dependence was on the Holy Spirit. So whatever he did, she went with it. So I've been in a lot of meetings where people try to control the Holy Spirit. Jill just followed him. Um, but I had a dream. Um, right after Jill died, you know, she's in heaven now. And uh, I remember walking into the room uh, in this dream, and Jill was sitting in a chair. And, uh, you know, and I was basically trying to just give her small talk, you know, about uh, my life and all that kind of stuff. And she never really responded or looked up at me. Uh, but um, I decided to to change and tell her about a dream I had. And in the midst of the dream, me telling her about the dream, she stopped me and looked up at me. And Jill had piercing blue eyes. And she looked at me and she said, Andre, what I've laid my life down or lived my life for is suddenly about to happen. And whether it happens with you or with me, it doesn't matter. And I woke up from the dream. And I knew that the dream wasn't about me, that it wasn't about God's power specifically moving through me, but it was about what God was going to do in the greater body of Christ, because I knew what Jill laid her life down for, and that was that Jesus would receive the rewards of his sufferings, and that we would move in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in everyday life. And the Lord has shown you well, through all that there this outpouring is going to be greater than anything we've ever experienced before. Yes, greater than, um, you know what I believe? I believe that all of the the best parts of the previous moves of God, let's say Azusa Street, uh, the Lateran movement, you know, the healing evangelist, uh, the charismatic movement in the 70s, and, you know, we get into the 80s with the prophetic movement, and now we're into the apostolic movement. That God is going to take the best parts of all those moves and pour them out at once. Now, Andre, you were talking about Jesus receiving the reward for his suffering. How does that go along with what you teach as the breaker anointing? Well, what happens with the breaker anointing, I believe, is that there are principalities and powers over regions. And, uh, and I have said they are assigned there to keep people from hearing God's voice or entering into his presence or even keep keeping them from want, wanting to know who he is. 
Well, when the breaker comes, who I believe is the Holy Spirit, he comes and he breaks through those things. He breaks through those blockages, which opens up people's minds and their hearts and their spirits to receive more of God. And that thing which was in the way is now no longer there. It's moved. And so suddenly, uh, suddenly I get open, and we see that in various moves of God, like with Charles Finney, you know, how when he would uh, be on a, a train and he was stopping the train station, and suddenly people in the train station would fall out on the floor crying out, what must I do to be saved? Not because Charles Finney was the one, but because the breaker anointing, the, the manifest presence that surrounded Charles Finney covered that place and moved everything out of the way. Now, Andre, how do we begin to move in that level of glory, that level of anointing to where things are happening, like Charles Finney, uh, like others that we've seen in revival history? What, what do we need to do to begin to see that happen in our own lives? I think we need to position our hearts before the Lord. And uh, when God tells us to put something down, put it down. I mean, I'm not a, a big religious person. You don't do this, you don't do that. I mean, of course, you don't do what the Bible says, don't do. But I, I don't believe in putting a bunch of rules on people. But what I do believe is that when Jesus said, when my sheep hear my voice, they obey, that when we hear his voice and he says, okay, I want you to lay that down, that we're obedient and we lay it down. Or if he says, I want you to pick something up, then we're obedient, we pick something up. Because it, it positions our hearts to receive from him. That's the first thing. Secondly, I think it's a timing issue. I think there's an appointed time, there's a Kairos moment when God is suddenly just going to do what he said he was going to do, regardless of if we're ready or not. <laughs> I like that, ready or not. And, and speaking of that, you you teach about preparing for the glory and the revival glory that's coming. It's I, I like how you say this. It's an in-your-face glory uh, that will not give us warm fuzzies. What do you mean by that? If we've gone through the Toronto blessing and all that kind of stuff, and I love it. I love to see people shaking on the floor and doing flip-flops. The wilder, the better. It's the most fun in a meeting for me. But I, I believe that when God comes with this last move of God, that I don't believe it's going to lift. I believe it's going to sustain and grow in power until Jesus returns. It's not going to be to give us warm and fuzzy. It's going to be God getting in our face and saying, it's time to change. And what do you see happening across the world and in the church when that change does happen? Well, I think it motivates people and people shift. Uh, and look at what's happening in Bethel Church and Reading. I mean, uh, where people are going on the streets and folks are getting saved and healed. And that's happening all over the world. It's no longer just in the four walls of the church. Now, Andre, you had a dream uh, not too long ago about God's glory. What did the Lord show you? Yeah, I was studying in the field, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, wind began to blow, and it was a violent wind. And um, you know how in the cartoons, where the cartoon character has to grab the tree or it's right. be blown away, right. he's kind of flapping in the wind. And that's what it was like. And uh, I woke about the dream, and the presence of the Lord was in my room, and he said, I want you to write this down. And so I started to write it down. And he said, the glory that's coming is going to blow away the topsoil 
all the fluff. He's going to blow away the fluff, and it's going to blow it all the way down to the bedrock, which the bedrock is the name of Jesus. And the only thing that's going to remain is what's built on his name. Andre, what is the fluff? What is the fluff that will get blown away? Superfluous stuff, the stuff that doesn't matter, the stuff we get into that 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 is not about God's purpose or his plan. I think when this happens, it's going to be like a laser beam, like, and we're going to suddenly see and step in line. It's like we're going to get locked, step in line with the armies of heaven to go about to do God's business. And Andre, you teach that we literally have, even though we may not experience it day to day, you teach that we have 24-7 access to God's presence, and I certainly believe that. But how do we begin to tap into that? What has the Lord shown you about accessing His presence 24-7? Well, when He died on the cross, the veil was rent from top to bottom, which signified that, you know, before only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, and that was just once a day on the Day of Atonement. But since Jesus died, there's free access, and we enter it by faith. I believe we just need to understand that we have that access, and we, whether we feel it or not, it's not based on feelings. It's we access it by faith, because I have, because I know the door is open. I know that I can enter into that place of His presence 24/7. And I've told people this: uh, t- test this at home. Like, you know, they've, they've gotten touched by God in my meetings. And I'll say, go home, lift your hands to heaven, and say, come, Holy Spirit, and see what happens. And I remember one young guy came home and said, Andre, it worked. I'm like, what worked? He said, I did what you said, and the power of God hit me, and I was wrecked on the floor for hours. So it's not about being in a building. You know, it's about realizing we walk under an open heaven. Because Jesus died on the cross. Because of the finished work of the cross, we walk in the open heaven, and we have 24-7 access to that place. In your book, Wild and Mighty Fire, it's brand new, Encounter the Power of the Holy Spirit. Tell the people at home what God's going to do in them, through them, around them, as they begin to read this book. Well, my prayer is that it would ignite a hunger and a passion for Jesus like never before. And that suddenly they would have a desire to begin to move in God's presence, to see him do the miraculous, to see him do things that, that, that's not ordinary Christianity. I mean, some of the things that I experienced have ruined me for ordinary Christianity, like just going to church, sitting in the pew. I have no desire for that. But if God's moving and people's lives are changing, and I believe that reading the book will ignite that kind of hunger, and it will begin to happen around their lives. At least that's the testimonies I've gotten from people, my friends who have read the book. And Andre, tell me about the—and we talked a little bit about this a minute ago, but you have a powerful teaching CD, Breaker Anointing. Talk about that for a moment. I was at home, and suddenly I looked in my kitchen, and it looked like the kitchen was full of smoke. Well, I wasn't cooking anything, so I was like, what's going on? And suddenly I realized it was the Lord. He was coming into my apartment, and we started, he started talking to me about the breaker anointing and how it's needed in this day and age to break through the atmosphere, to create a space 
You know the reason why we we worship? I think people don't understand this. The reason why we worship before the ministry, a lot of people think it's, oh, it's just a nice time and the music nice and it makes me feel good. No, it creates a, a platform. It creates an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to do what he does. We, we create a place, and the breaker anointing comes in and, and begins to break everything open to create that space for God to move. And, Andre, you have a, a prophetic worship CD, Changed by Your Love. What is that about as far as this prophetic worship? What are you doing in the CD? Well, basically singing uh, songs that a friend of mine and I wrote, and singing prophetic songs of God's heart. And uh, uh, I've got testimonies that people uh, played in um, children's with children who have, uh, I don't know how to say this politically correct, uh, who are mentally, uh, have different mental issues, and it calms them and lets them go to sleep. Other people have contacted me and said, that playing the CD, they got healed. So it's it's the anointing, the breaker anointing is on this is on the CD, and it uh, it uh, permeates the atmosphere. And when this atmosphere is created, what's going to happen to people as they listen to this? Fall more in love with Jesus. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's my desire is that we would just simply love Him and do His work. Now, Andre, tell me about what happened when God's glory uh, came in a meeting that you were at in Minnesota. Yes, in the twin cities of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, and St. Paul, uh, my friends do a prophetic conference every year. They still do it. Uh, It's called the Prophetic Conference of the Twin Cities. And uh, there's always uh, incredible things that happen. But this one time, there was a level of expectancy that— that I hadn't felt for a while. And uh, things were just happening during the worship. Now, uh, there was one lady there who had terrible scoliosis. She was sitting in the worship, and as she's sitting there, suddenly the Holy Spirit begins to touch her because people were being, you know, healed simply by the power of His presence. Uh, and the healings weren't accompanied by anyone laying hands on them or anything like that. It was just the Lord coming and resting on his people. You know what the Bible says, that he dwells in the, the midst of his, the praises of his people? Yes. That's what this, this was like. It felt as if uh, during the worship that the roof lifted off and the throne of God had entered into the room. And this lady suddenly got touched, and people noticed that she was being touched. And so they began to pray for her, and she came up on stage, and all the scoliosis was gone, and she had metal rods in her back and where she could not bend over and touch her toes. So she could bend over and touch her toes. So either God dissolved the metal or he made it pliable. Are you saying this is a direct result of the open heaven that was in that meeting? Direct result. It wasn't because anyone was praying. It wasn't because, you know, a minister was up giving words of knowledge. 
I love all that stuff, but I believe that God is taking us to a higher level where we used to move out of a, a, a sense of our gifting. And that, that won't stop. God's gifted us with different gifts. But I think we're moving to a higher level where we don't move out of a man or a woman's gifts. We move out of an open heaven because God himself steps into the room. And when he steps into the room, nothing can stay the same. Everything has to change. Chains begin to fall off people. People who who are depressed, but all that stuff leaves. Folks begin to get healed because of his glory. So how do Christians and individuals live under an open heaven in their own lives to where we're beginning to see this stuff, not only in our churches and our conferences, but my family is seeing this. I'm seeing this. There's an open heaven. And I know in a sense that you teach that there's an open heaven anyway because of the blood of Jesus and all that he did. But how can I begin to experience what's happening in heaven in my life now? Number one, like I said, is my faith, believing that we have received. And number two, just stepping out. You know, uh, if you look at the, the children of Israel, the children of Israel, God commanded them to cross the Jordan. But as soon as the priest's feet touched the water, it began to open. And I, I'll tell you a story. I remember this was back in um, uh, Toronto Blessing Days. I went to Toronto, and uh, the worship leader knew me from Jill Austin. So he had me. He asked me to sing, and so I asked him. I said, "If I get a prophetic song, can I sing it?" And he said, "Sure." And he stopped the worship and he said, um, "Andre Ashby travels the world doing prophetic ministry, and we're releasing him to sing a prophetic song now." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so the, I, I sang the song, and God moved all over the room. Well, after that, the worship team wanted me to pray for them. Well, in Toronto, you can only pray. If you had a pink badge, I said, well, I don't have a pink badge. They said, that's okay. We'll get you one. So they came and got me a pink badge. And so I started praying for them. Power got hitting them. They're hitting the ground, uh, you know, doing stuff that people do when they fall out. And suddenly people started getting out of of other lines and started getting in my line. And it started going out the back door. And just God just ministering to people. My friend who was there with me said, Andre, how do I begin to move in that? And I said, just do it. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, if I had just, if I waited till I felt something mm. or waited till I got all the revelation, then I'd still be waiting. But when God said move, I began to move. And because he, I moved, he met me. It's like we're, we're working together. And 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, talks about this treasure we have in jars of clay. This all-surpassing glory is of God. You know, it's God's presence in us that makes us important. So when we step out, he meets us, and there's that dunamis power that happens, that combustion that is like an explosion, because you were created to work with God. Talk more about that, Andre, about working with God. Well, he could have used angels. You know, I, if it was me, I would have used angels. I think they're more reliable. But he he decided not to. He decided to create man to partner with him. 
It's like in Psalms, it says, well, we were created a little lower than the angels. In the Hebrew, it says, we were created a little lower than Elohim himself. God created us to walk with him and to be co-creators. That's why life and death is in the power of the tongue, because God spoke the world into existence. He didn't get down and form it with his hands. The only ones he formed with his hands was us. But everything else he spoke into existence. We're created into his image. So we speak things into existence. When God says move, we speak. We do what he says, and things happen. This is what Jesus said. That he only does what he sees the Father do and only speaks when he hears the Father speak. That is so good. It's about staying and living in tandem with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I, I really like that. And, and Andre, you had a uh, meeting in Seattle where the glory hit. You had been going there for many years. But talk about the testimony of the atheist kid that got saved. Yeah, that, that's really a fun one. You know, when you, when you do youth retreats, <laughs> parents often send the hardest kids hoping God would touch them. Yes. <laughs> they don't realize it makes it hard on the minister because these kids sit in the room, and uh, it just brings doubt in. So you have to break through that. Well, we had, this is probably like, I think, the, maybe the second night. And the atheist, you know, has seen all this stuff happen in the room. Gold dust appear on people. The glory cloud come that everybody saw. And so he said, you know, God, if, some, if, if you're real, make somebody fly tonight. So that night, a young guy flew, literally flew out the door. The door swung open. He flew over the parking lot and landed in the snow across the parking lot. So needless to say, the atheist kid is no longer an atheist. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And now, Andre, in 2003, you were invited to minister just for a few days at Glory Oasis Church in Hudson Valley, New York. And uh, that's not exactly what happened at, uh, by the end of the story. Tell me about leading up to and, and what happened when you were at the Hudson Valley Revival. You know how when in ministry, at least me, I can get discouraged because things were difficult, like finances, health, everything was difficult. And I was just like, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm getting a regular job. And I had gotten a regular job. I always liked dressing nice. And I figured, you know, I can help guys dress nice. So my friend was an executive at Macy's. And she got me a, a, um, an interview at Macy's. But, you know, I believe that your yes should be yes and your no should be no. So I had already committed to go do these meetings in the Hudson Valley, and it was a three-day worship seminar. Uh, so I got there, and I brought my friend Matt from uh, from Seattle. He was a worship leader. And uh, we went in, and uh, the whole story is when we got there, uh, we were 15 minutes late. No one was there to open the door. So we sat there, and Matt was getting uh, kind of, Concerned because he's like, well, I'd like to meet with my worship team at least an hour before worship. And I said, well, Matt, that's not that's not going to happen. So we got to go with it. And so <laughs> uh, finally, the lady gets there to open the door, and the door wouldn't unlock. So we're standing outside the door, and I said, I finally said, in the name of Jesus, open. 
Well, the door opened. We went in. The worship team rushed in and started, you know, doing what worship teams do, all, you know, up front. And the only problem is no one told them that Matt was the worship leader. So he comes in, and they're looking at this guy with his guitar, and they're like, okay, what's going on? And they gave Matt a guitar with no pickup, with dead strings that couldn't stay in tune. And they, this worship team, uh, God bless them, but they weren't very good. Like the drummer, his only uh, drum beat was chuck, chuck, chuck. There was a guy who played from the vineyard who played vineyard guitar, and there was a guy on the saxophone that all he knew how to do, he was a great saxophone player, but he didn't understand the give and take. So through all the worship, he's just, all through worship. <laughs> and there's an older black lady on the piano who plays gospel piano. So it's, dun, 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 dun. so imagine that. Wow. And Matt come in to leave this. And so after the worship practice, Matt comes to me and goes, Andre, um, this is going to be a big mess. And I remember thinking in my heart, yeah, Matt, it's going to be a big mess. But I couldn't tell him that. And I said, no, Matt, the Lord's going to come. Well, he got up to lead worship, and suddenly God began to move in the room. I mean, I'm sitting there shocked. I mean, there was no more than 30 people in the room. But suddenly people began to dance with angels. Uh, I, I, you know, sad to say I'm the biggest skeptic in the world. So as I'm, I, I'm looking at these people with their eyes closed, and I'm checking out to make sure they're not cheating. And they would get close to an instrument, and they would spin out the other direction. Or they'd get close to a body on the floor, and they'd go in the other direction. And I'm going, I was like, my God, what is going on here? <laughs> I got up to speak, but I couldn't speak. Suddenly I began to prophesy stuff about the Huguenots that came through the area that I had no idea about or about Charles Feeney, what happened when he came to the area. I had no idea that Charles Feeney was in the area. And this went on for an hour and a half with the glory and the presence of the Lord, just touching the people and me just standing up prophesying. But when it was over, the pastor, who I hadn't even met yet, she was laid out on the floor. She said to me, Andre, um, this has got to continue. And I'm thinking in my heart, uh, because I lived in New York City, I'm finished on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. I'm going to New York City, hang out with my friends, and I'm going home and getting a job. But I, but I couldn't tell her that. I said the religious thing. I said, well, let's pray about it. Right. So the next day, we get to church about 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, Matt got up and gave about a 15-minute teaching on IHOP, International House of Prayer, and because uh, he he was over that in Seattle, and uh, he sat down and suddenly God began to move on the people again, folks. It was like popcorn all over the room. People began to jump up. One would repent, another would prophesy, another would begin to intercede. Many all this thing went on all day long, one after the other, with no speaker. Till about 3 o'clock, I had a prophetic word. And the Lord said, we have a remnant of opportunity to call people back mm. who once walked with the Lord, who had a call on their life, but walked away. 
Well, from uh, I didn't know this, but Lu- Lucia was in the audience. She jumped up, ran out of the room, called her son, Eli, who was at home. He had been out partying all the night before and doing drugs, and he was asleep, and it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, the phone rang. He jumps up, and he runs to the telephone, at which Eli lives with me now, so I know that him jumping out of bed is not what he does. <laughs> he runs to the telephone, and uh, he picks up the phone. His mother says, there are two young guys at church. They're real. I want you to come. And if you come, I'll buy you dinner. So she, she bribed him to come to church. Now, the interesting thing is Eli had tried church before. And he realized his problem. He wanted to get away from what he was doing because he was a drug dealer who basically sold drugs to get his next drug. Right. So Eli got dressed. His mom came and picked him up. He came to the church, and Eli is what told me is that he could not walk through the threshold of the door. But when he finally did, what was on him lifted off. Wow. And as, when he walked through the door, he suddenly saw stuff clear. He suddenly saw his life where he was at. And so, he, you know, I'm standing in front, and I turn around, and I see this big guy pacing in the back of the room. And the Lord begins to give me a prophetic word for him. And I'm like, God, <laughs> this guy looks like he might hurt me. <laughs> and the Lord says, call him up. So I called him up. And I'm going to prophesy over where he came from that he didn't have a father, and he felt rejection, where he was at at the moment, and where God wanted to take him. And he stood there with his mouth open, because he had never experienced anything like that before, and he asked for the mic. And I'm like, okay. I gave him the mic. He began to say, I need help. I need God to the people. You have God, but if you won't give God to me because of the way I look, where will I find him at? Wow. And all over the room, people begin to weep and run up front and grab him and hug him and, you know, and say, you know, I'm here for you. And from that day forward, God began to radically change Eli's life. And Eli, for years, began to travel with me on the road as my assistant. And he still lives with me to this day. Wow, now that is powerful. And and it sounds like the the glory was just so real there because things were happening. You know, it wasn't the best of settings like you said, and things were just happening all over the room, all over the church. And in fact the revival, Andre, right, continued for months. And and what would happen as the months would just go on and on? There were manifestations of the spirit, right? Oh yeah, like wind blew in the church. Lights begin to flash in the room like people were taking pictures. The northern lights came out over the Hudson Valley, which hadn't happened in 40 to 50 years. Uh, the same night, meetings happened in the Hudson Valley. In Israel, the drought was broken. It began to rain. Um, all kind of crazy stuff happened. That I knew that this revival was not only connected to, to us, but to places around the world. And the cool thing is it began to break out in other churches in the Hudson Valley. Like a church that had been coming, he got up one Sunday to begin to preach, and God fell on the church. 
and they couldn't minister. All day long, he moved. My friend Matt had to get back to Seattle uh, because he worked a part-time job. He hated the job because all he could feel was the demons. And on the way home on the plane, Matt began to weep. And this girl sitting next to him was in bondage, and he turned to her and began to prophesy, and she gets set free on the plane. The worship leader and I had been to Matt's church at that time. They didn't move in manifestation at all. But while Matt was leading worship at the revival in the Hudson Valley, his friend was leading worship at his church. God hit the room. His uh, worship leader flew backwards into the wall, fell down, and God began to move all over the room. So it was happening everywhere. But one cool story is Joey, who was a hair designer in uh, Westchester, New York, where a lot of the Jewish people lived, uh, had a shop there. God would be moving in the shop, but he'd be twitching and trying to cut hair. <laughs> people would ask him what's going on, and he'd tell them. And these Jewish ladies would come in and sit down in the chair and begin to want to talk about Jesus. Mm. And, you know, they would get saved. And uh, one lady came in, and she just started crying. And they asked her, what's wrong? And she goes, I don't know. There's something in the shop. Well, I know what's in the shop. It was the presence of the Lord. Yes. And I, I know another uh, time during the meetings, a couple bought their demonized son, uh, but they couldn't get him to come in. He refused to come in. And, but the parents came in, and they could only stay for a few minutes because it was too much for them. They came from a very traditional church. And I'm telling you, when I say wild, it was wild in, in, in the room. Um, they went out, and they the next morning they owned uh, a feed store. Well, when this demon began to manifest at the feed store, suddenly something came on the, on the mother that she had never experienced before, and she pointed at the demon, and she co- commanded the demon in Jesus' name to come out. Well, this son, in the midst of the feed store, began to throw up and got delivered from the demon there. Right there. Right there. See, that's the glory. That's the presence. And, and Andre, you talk about God wants to bless us with his presence. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, the Lord a long time ago told me when God says he's going to bless me, it means he's going to give me stuff. I mean, we, we're in that culture that I call it the name, name they claim it culture, that if you know God, love God, that you'll be you won't get sick, you won't have any financial problems, and everything is going to be walking like through a rose garden. And the Lord said to me, Andre, if that's the case, if that means that what I'm going to bless you, it means I'm going to give you stuff, then I'm blessing a lot of drug dealers. They have more stuff than you ever could. Or I'm blessing Hollywood actors who profane my name every day. He said, Andre, you've got to understand this. When I say that I'm going to bless you, it means I'm going to give you me. I'm going to give you myself. When I bless you, I'm giving you my presence. He's giving of himself. I love that. Andre, you also teach, we have a few more minutes here. You, you also teach that a God encounter is waiting to happen to you. You know, the Lord began to speak to me. I was in Kuwait, and the Lord uh, spoke to me and said, Andre, when you go into the American embassy, 
where are you? And I said, well, I guess I'm in America. He said, just like that, you are my living, walking, moving infancy. Wherever you go, you bring me. And the Lord, it's not about in the hour that we're living in going to a church. Now, I believe in going to churches. I go to church. I speak in church. I go to church when I'm home. Uh, but it's not about going to church to receive an encounter. It's about we are a God encounter waiting to happen. There's somebody out there who is waiting for us to reach them, to, to touch them, to, to say, you know, God loves you. Can I tell you a story? Yes, please. This happened a little while ago. I was uh, at the AT&T store, and I brought one of my friends. I went back to school, so I brought one of my friends to school because it was the only time to hang out. And when it was towards the close of the day, and I walked in, and I could tell the guy wasn't um, very happy. So, you know, I just struck up conversation with him while he's working on my problem, and my friend goes out to use the restroom, uh, and he comes back, and we're talking, and he asked me, what did I do? And I said, well, I'm a minister. And he said, wow, how did you become that? And I said, uh, God, <laughs> that, that's the only reason. And he said to me, he goes, do you know anything about Bayside Church? And I'm like, no, I don't. Need. I said, why did you ask? Have you been there? He goes, oh, I'm not religious. And I said, well, I'm not religious either. And he goes, wait a minute. I just thought you said you were a minister. I said, I am a minister. Religiosity teaches you that you do something because you have to, because there's a list of, uh, of rules of do's and don'ts. I'm in a relationship, and what I do is because I love a person. He's like, wow. He said, and I went into ministry because I love this person, and he asked me to. He goes, wow, that's, that's cool. He said, I felt like I... That's why I got into, uh, went into the armed services, because I felt called to. But when I did that, my priest told me I was going to hell. And so my friend had walked in by this time. He was uh, in the Air Force and uh, was also a worship leader. And so they began to talk, and he said, man, that's not true, blah, blah, blah. Well, as they're talking, I'm asking the Lord, do you have something for him? You want me to tell him something? And all of a sudden, Matthew starts going through my head. And it won't go away. And I've learned when it won't go away, to go with it. And I said, Lord, what about Matthew? And he said, ask him, does he know of Matthew? So I asked the guy, I said, do you know of Matthew? He says, I know too. I said, he told me about the first one. I said, no, not him. He said, well, this one is deceased. And the Lord said, tell him that Matthew is praying for him from the great cloud of witnesses. And it's going to be okay because I don't see him the way he sees himself. He sees himself like that he's done too much that how can God ever love him? Tell him that I loved him and I died for him and he's going to make it. Well, Matthew was his best friend that they went into the army together and was the third person that was taken out in a raid. It's not about being in the four walls of the church. It's about 
walking every day in his presence as his living, moving embassy where the Ark of the Covenant resides. Because, you know, the Ark of the Covenant doesn't reside in the box anymore, made by hands. The Ark of the Covenant resides in us. And we have this treasure, like I said earlier, in George of Clay, this white-hot burning furnace on the inside of us that sometimes just breaks out whether we like it or not. And Andre, there's many people that are listening that say, you know, I want those God encounters. I know they're waiting to happen to me, and I, and I want to be one of those that it not only experiences God encounters, but uh, one of those that it overflows everywhere I go. Would you just pray over them right now before we close? Oh, yes, I'd be happy to. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask that your fire and your presence would descend on everyone who has an open heart with a yes in their heart that says, God, here am I, use me. Lord, you told me that all the mantles that were on your former leaders, like Catherine Kuhlman and all those folks, are not just circling around the throne, but they're waiting for people who will say, yes, God, here I am. And Lord, I know that you see the heart of your people. And I ask that right now, that those things will begin to descend on them, that they would walk under an open heaven with the glory of the Lord breaking out around them, splashing on them, uh, 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 changing lives as they go, Lord, because they are your ambassadors. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. And now you've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest Andre Ashby. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this special resource. Andre Ashby has seen the most amazing manifestations of the glory of God in his meetings, but this is just a taste of what he says is coming. He says there's a greater outpouring of God's glory coming than what we've ever seen before. In Andre's brand new book, Wild and Mighty Fire, Andre will teach you how to prepare for the coming glory and partner with the Holy Spirit to see the supernatural. In his teaching CD, Breaker Anointing, he will teach you how to receive your breakthrough so that you can walk in the glory. Also, his worship CD, Changed by Your Love, which he sings prophetically over you to increase your hunger for intimacy with God. As a bonus, you'll get the booklet, The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, where you will learn how to commune with God in everyday life. Call now for Andre's brand new book, Wild and Mighty Fire, his teaching CD, Breaker Anointing, and his worship CD, Changed by Your Love, a bonus booklet, The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Andre Ashby's brand new book, Wild and Mighty Fire, his teaching CD, Breaker Anointing, his worship CD, Changed by Your Love, and the bonus booklet, The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Be sure to ask for offer number 9654. Once again, that's offer number 9654.